What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 32nd episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about breakout QBs, including guys like Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, and so many more. These are all guys we believe in and are going to have even better seasons than they've ever had before. Joining me today, once again, is a returning guest on the podcast. He is a local New Englander like myself, a fantasy football analyst for PFF, a former writer of the Gridiron Experts, a co-author of the best-selling fantasy football black book with over 9,000 followers on Twitter. He is Andrew Erickson. Welcome back. Almost 10,000 followers it will be. By the time I'm back on this podcast (laughs) next, Alex, I will be at 10,000. Just don't have me on next week. I probably won't be there at that point, but excited to be on. And I'm ready to talk about some of these breakout quarterbacks. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to talk about breakout quarterbacks, and especially with you know training camp news and all that going on right now. It's really excited, but it's it's also nerve-wracking sometimes because like every every throw is being criticized, and every time that you know Jalen Hurts throws a bad pass, I'm like, man, should I trade him in some of these leagues? So, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I think the only things that – I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to ask you real quick before we get into this. I think that, for me at least, the one thing I fade is, you know, the best shape of my life and I really slimmed down this year. I don't buy into that much stuff, but when coaches say certain things, like we expect this guy to get this many touches this year, or especially when someone doesn't look good, I think those are the notable things that are take away from me. What are the things from training camp yourself that you really believe in or don't believe in, or do you think it's all fluff or do you think it's all true? What I try to look for is actionable items in terms of how players are being used. Okay. So where players are being lined up, is a person that's lining up in the slot or they're lining up on the outside. So that's one thing I look for. The touches thing is usually not something I go attached to just because coaches don't know how many plays are in games. Like they don't yeah. understand actually the touches because we've heard t- coaches talk about how, Oh, well, Joe Mixon's not going to be on the field for 75 snaps games. Like, yeah, no player ever is on the field for 75 snaps per game. So of course it's not true. Sure. And even the earlier today, talk about Tony Pollard, Talking about Ezekiel Elliott, oh, the only one they don't want to get him to twenty-five to thirty carries a game. Oh, of course you don't. No one. Derrick Henry's one guy that gets twenty-five carries plus per game. Like yeah. it's not touches per game. It's not talking about reception. So again, there is a lot of fluff that goes into the touch stuff that's not necessarily super actionable. So for me, I'm I like players again. Like saying that someone looks good doesn't help me. Yeah, saying I that agree. they are catching everything. Okay, if it's a player that's had a lot of tri- a lot of problems with drops or things like that, like okay, that's something that I look at. Are they getting a lot of targets? That's important, I think, as well. But not necessarily like, oh, he looks fast, he looks explosive. Like most of these players are like that. But that doesn't really matter. Again, you have to remember that these beat reporters are not reporting, they're not viewing the training camp through the same lens as someone that plays fantasy football. They're doing it from a more broader point of view. And that's why there's an advantage. Like I've been going to the Patriots training camps because I'm viewing it through the lens of a fantasy football analyst. So I'm looking at where players, I'm looking at where the targets are going. And again, I'll drop some news right now. Like one player that I've noticed is getting a ton of red zone work is Hunter Henry for the tight end position. So I know there's a lot of like people aren't necessarily sure which tight end to go towards Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. But the way I look at it is Hunter Henry's playing the Gronkowski role in this offense as the Y tight end. It's going to line up in line, which doesn't sound great, but, 
I think he's going to get the most touchdown opportunities, whereas Johnny Smith going to line up as the H-back type of tight end. So he'll line up in the slot, line up in the backfield, and he'll be used in space a little bit more. But I don't know if he's going to have the touchdown upside that Hunter Henry will have. So I'm going to rank Hunter Henry higher than Johnny Smith, and I think I have a legitimate reason why. And that's I honestly probably would not have felt as good about it if I hadn't gone and actually seen it for myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that you made a lot of great points. The one thing I will say in regards to like the touches per game and stuff like that that I think is notable, I read an article recently by Scott Barrett of Fantasy Points, and he pointed out certain times where like the coach speak with certain amount of touches, like we expect this guy to get at least this many touches per game. He pointed out a number of examples that were really accurate of like how many touches they wanted to get someone per game. And I think one of the guys that we saw last year that I actually think held true, even though it didn't hold up from a fantasy perspective, was someone like Miles Sanders. Deuce Staley, the running backs coach of the um, – Eagles last year said that we expect Miles Sanders to get at least 20 touches a game and he was right around there per game he was sixth in snap share and I think some of those things are really interesting to think about but I agree with you that the guys that are getting targets where they're lining up if they're making plays all over the field and stuff like that is very actionable and especially the guys that aren't playing well like someone like Cortland Sutton that has looked a little stiff on his routes and stuff like that is very notable but with that I think that's really an interesting thing to talk about and that leads us right into our breakout quarterback especially some of these guys going into training camp and the plays that they're making so who is your first breakout QB for this year? My first breakout quarterback is the most disrespected player on this list his name is Daniel Jones New York Giants quarterback Again, last year was not great. He threw 11 touchdowns. The total offense threw 12 touchdowns. But that means when you have an historically bad season like the Giants did last year, it's really hard to repeat that because you look back one year prior, oh, wow, Daniel Jones threw 24 touchdowns in 12 games, but no one seems to care about that. They just care about what he did last year behind PFF's worst-graded offensive line. Again, the offensive line is still a problem. One of their starters went down yesterday, got carted off the field. So that's a big problem. But again – being baked into his ADP outside the top 20 quarterbacks. And I talk about the touchdowns because there's regression coming for the touchdowns. Again, among 25 offenses that have passed for 15 or fewer touchdowns since 2011, 88% saw their passing touchdowns increase by an average of 10 passing touchdowns the following season. So right there, you're already looking at 20 plus touchdowns from Daniel Jones right off the bat for passing touchdowns. So throw the 12, 11 touchdowns out the window and don't, that's not going to happen. Like if he's healthy and playing football, he's going to throw over 20 touchdowns next season. So that's kind of the number one reason or one of the reasons I really like Daniel Jones to bounce back. And there's reason to be optimistic about this offense. They added Kenny Galladay. They're getting Saquon Barkley. They got Sterling Shepard. They got Evan Ingram. They got Darius Slayton. They got Kadarius Toney. Like this is not the same offense last year when he had to throw to Darius Slayton former fifth-round pick out of Auburn as his number one wide receiver, and Evan freaking Ingram, who couldn't catch anything last year, was his most targeted pass catcher in the offense. So, of course, he was set up to fail. We saw Tom Brady suck in 2019 because he didn't have anyone to throw to. Oh, wow. But he wasn't bad because when he got weapons, he got offensive line, he improved drastically in Tampa Bay. Not exactly the same situation with Daniel Jones, but I do like the upgraded weapons. And I think the last point to make about Daniel Jones is he's a rusher. Talk about having Russian quarterbacks. We have a lot of Russian quarterbacks on this list that goes into the breakout potential for the quarterback. First 12 weeks of last season, you had Daniel Jones rank third in the NFL in rushing yards and seventh in rushing attempts per game. That's crazy. We've already seen the ceiling from this guy. 2019, four games with 26 plus fantasy points. There's not that many quarterbacks that have that type of upside on a week to week basis, and everything's out in front of him to succeed in year two. A lot of look at the PFF metrics that sh- about Daniel Jones actually improved from his rookie season. So, again, the touchdown rate wasn't there, but 
all of the peripheral numbers look better for Daniel Jones as a deep ball passer. He was really good. He was good contested, uh, contested thrower. He's got Galladay, who's a contested catch receiver. So I just think the Giants have a lot more going in their favor this season than a lot of people are giving credit for. So I like Daniel Jones. I do too. I think he's something that's really interesting. I think the thing that you know goes unnoticed too often. I think this is the same reason I really like Cam Newton last year, where he was the QB fifteen with all the weapons that he had. Then you add in this like whole new top four. It's the same thing with Daniel Jones, where like you said, his top targets last year were Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram, and then now his top targets this year are like Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay. And then you still have all those other guys that were his top options last year to fall behind. So, I mean, again, when you get a whole new top two plus those other guys, I think the production's going to increase. I agree. I think he's in for a lot of massive um, positive touchdown regression. And, again, I think Daniel Jones is definitely an interesting guy that I probably would have had on my list if you didn't have him on yours. But I like him, but not as much as I like the next guy on my list, and that's Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts, obviously, people know is my flag plant, and I just can't talk about him enough. Now that we're in August, I definitely held off for a little bit in talking about Jalen Hurts, but he's someone that I definitely want to talk about more. Again, like last year in two out of his three starts, he passed for over 330 yards, averaged 79 rushing yards per game in those three starts. But the biggest thing that I think people don't talk about enough with his shortcomings last year and his 52% um, pass completion percentage is the fact that his offensive line missed three out of the total five seasons they could possibly play. Their starting offensive line combined to miss 48 games among five players last year. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And then for the people that think Jalen Hurts is risky, I think that's the worst argument anyone could possibly make about Jalen Hurts. And here's why. And I'm going to talk about a friend of the show, a stat I recently used, um, Ian Harditz. And he made an article about Jalen Hurts, and this is what he said. So over the last – since 2010, there have been 22 instances of a quarterback totaling at least 100 rushing attempts in a single season. 15 out of those 22 finished as a top eight fantasy QB finished. So of the seven, so let's talk about the seven that didn't do it. Three of those seven were guys that were top eight in fantasy points per game. They just didn't play a whole season or they got hurt. One of those other four that didn't. So now we're down to four that didn't was Lamar Jackson, who started seven games. It was the QB five over that span. That's four. So there's only three guys that had 100-plus rushing attempts, really, that were not top eight in fantasy points per game when they were playing. And those guys were Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick in 2014, and then 2020 version of Cam Newton. And what you had with Jalen Hurts last year was a top three QB over those three starts, QB seven over the four if you count the game that he got taken out early in Washington. And then you add in Devontae Smith. You add in Kenneth Gainwell. Zach Ertz is back, and hopefully he'll be better this year. And then you have him being in his second year in the system when he's already – I mean, sorry – He has him in a second year in the NFL. He's in a new system that will be designed for him, especially when last year he was playing in Carson Wentz's offense, and now have an offense designed by him. I'm not saying I'm sold on Nick Sirianni, but I'm sold on the fact they will design an offense that is for Jalen Hurts. And he's had good good reports coming out of camp. There was just a beat reporter reporter thing I read just before we got on the show that said, in day two, Jalen Hurts is much better than day one. In day three, he's been much better than day two. He's staying after practice. All his teammates absolutely love him and adore him. I mean, I'm all in on Jalen Hurts. He is going to break out this year. I can't disagree with you. The rushing upside that Jalen Hurts has is the floor that he offers. It makes it really hard for him to not finish as a, a quarterback one, assuming that they don't trade for Deshaun Watson. I think that's one of the things that people are a little bit afraid of when it comes to Jalen Hurts or that the Eagles are just so bad on offense that they just don't care about him necessarily. So that's the only concerns. Again, it's not, but it's again, it's not enough of a concern where you're going to not draft Jalen Hurts. Again, I have him as a top eight quarterback in my rankings. And I think two things I want to add on 
are, again, getting Devonta Smith is huge because last year no one threw two less open receivers than Jalen Hurts. So, number one, his it was the lowest percentage of throwing to a guy deemed open. Nobody was open last year for the Eagles. And they drafted Devonta Smith, who has the most open targets since 2018 in college football. So, big win for Jalen Hurts. And the other thing is, Jalen Hurts, in the offense last year with Carson Wentz, he was consistently throwing to the perimeter which is part of the reason why his completion percentage was so bad because he's pushing the ball to the outside all the time. There's no one in the middle of the field that could do anything. And Nick Sirianni's offenses have actually traditionally operated more in the middle of the field. We saw it with Phillip Rivers. Again, I posted this up. I did the Eagles preview recently on PFF.com. And you just look at the heat maps between Phillip Rivers and Jalen Hurts, and they're totally different. So that we're going to see more easy completions over the middle, take advantage of guys that can make yards after the catch. So Jalen Hurts doesn't always have to chuck it downfield constantly all the time. Devontae Smith led all college receivers in yards after the catch. Jalen Hurts was top of the league in yards per catch per reception last year. So two of those guys, I think, are going to have much better seasons with Jalen Hurts in his offense. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think it's the same thing with the Lamar Jackson thing that people weren't believing him because of his weapons or his shortcomings as a passer, and then you saw what he did in year two. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is going to win MVP this year, and I mean the the Eagles are going to get beaten by the Chiefs in the playoffs. Obviously not, especially in a different conference, but again, you get what I'm trying to say here that I think that it, he's an absolute cheat code, and I don't think he's risky because the rushing upside automatically mitigates so much risk. So, again, he's going to put up numbers either way. But, again, we've talked enough about Jalen Hurts. Let's talk about your next guy. Who is your number two breakout quarterback? My number two breakout quarterback is rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, to start off, Alex, I want to ask you a question. So, Gardner Minshew was the quarterback for the Jaguars last year, and he had a pretty interesting rookie season. How many games do you think – so, he started nine games last year. How many games do you think he finished as a top 12 quarterback? I'm going to say two. He finishes a top 12 quarterback five times. So in more than half of his games, Gardner Minshew finishes a top 12 quarterback on the worst team in the NFL last year. Insert Trevor Lawrence into that offense that has only improved since he's gotten there. They've added in extra weapons. They've drafted Travis Etienne. So we already have a sample size of a worst quarterback. Sorry, you know, hot take. Trevor Lawrence is better than Gardner Minshew of a quarterback already succeeding in an offense that really doesn't have that much around him. So again, I think the offensive line is underrated in Jacksonville. I think it's actually a pretty solid offensive line. So I think Trevor Lawrence has things set up to be successful in Jacksonville in year one. I know that Urban Meyer has done a lot of questionable things so far, but the thing is Trevor Lawrence, man, like he's done. I don't know what else he has to prove. Again, he is an underrated rusher. PFF's fourth highest graded rusher in 2019. And I just think there's a lot going in his favor. They played the Houston Texans week one. I absolutely love it. They already released the DraftKings prices, and I've already built a nice Jaguar stack with a Houston bringback, obviously with Brandon Cooks. So I'm very excited about Trevor Lawrence to be a good late-round quarterback option. Again, not a lot of people are talking about it. I think that the shine has kind of gone off of him a bit because everyone wouldn't stop talking about this guy as being the number one overall pick. But I think that he's being underrated a little bit more. I think after week one against the Texans, people are going to be like, wow, like why wasn't I higher on Trevor Lawrence when – I mean, everything is there. All of his college numbers are there. Like, I don't know what else he needs to necessarily prove to be like, okay, this guy can be a legit fantasy option. Yeah, and I agree. And I think the other thing is, again, that the fact that I think for for other people, sorry, I'm I'm slowing my words here, is the fact that you can take Trevor Lawrence late round, even if you don't like him, 
And, like, I mean, this Houston Texans defense might be the worst defense in the entire league this year. I don't think that's a hot take at all. And, again, he's he's probably going to light up the Texans in week one no matter what. So even if you aren't high on Trevor Lawrence, draft him late, and there's going to be someone in your league that is probably willing to trade for Lawrence because they think he's going to be the next Justin Herbert, put up huge numbers. I think he could absolutely be that. I think he made a lot of great points. If Gardner Minshew can do it, and then you add in, I mean, Marvin Jones and you add in Travis Etienne and then Trevor Lawrence, who's a, a little bit better than Gardner Minshew, I would like to argue. I mean, obviously that's obvious. Um, but again, I like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a very interesting play and I'm, I'd definitely be willing to draft him. I'm taking a couple late shots on him as well. Um, but the guy I'm probably going to take more late shots off of, at least in deeper bench leagues, is Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance, I think just because, again, like we talked about Jalen Hurts, the massive rushing upside. I mean, he rushed over 1,100 yards in his last full season as a starter for college, um, as a college QB. He only played in one game last year because of COVID. Obviously, that's concerning. But the biggest thing that people keep telling me when I talk about Trey Lance is, oh, well, like, what if he doesn't play this year? What if he doesn't play this year? There is no one in my lifetime since 2000 that has been a top three QB pick that has not started at some point during their rookie year. It is literally never happened and i don't want to hear anything about oh well it's it's jimmy g it's it's jimmy g whatever if they're drafting him top three he is going to play this year and you are betting against history completely and i think the biggest thing that i like about trey lance is the fact that for them instead of jimmy garoppolo it just opens up this offense so much more it gives them the rushing upside and it's not like he has to be a great passer when he has i mean the the yak bros george kittle debo samuel brandon Ayuk, all guys that i mean are awesome after the catch and I think those guys are all fantastic but the biggest thing I love about Trey Lance this year and the reason that I'm going to be taking it with my last pick in so many drafts and trying to stash him for as long as humanly possible is his playoff schedule weeks the last four weeks of the season for him are the Bengals the Falcons the Titans and the Texans I mean he could be what Jalen Hurts was last week and in the last couple weeks of last season where he's just absolutely phenomenal at the end of the year and if you can stash him in a league with a deeper bench I'm going to do that all day but again like I said he's a top 3 pick he's going to play at some point this season and I think he opens up their offense so much more with the rushing upside he's a legitimate top 10 QB potentially Yeah so I found the error that I made when I was filling out the show sheet that I also just totally ignored that you put Trey Lance as one of your quarterbacks no, so okay. I also put Trey yeah. Lance as one of my quarterbacks and I, I, yeah, I can't agree more on how effective and how in you need to be on this guy and just to not buy into the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Like teams can say all they want about Jimmy Garoppolo's our starter, but if he's okay, then why did you trade up three first round picks to draft Trey Lance? Like, come on, yeah. like you have to look at their actions because actions speak louder than words. Coaches lie all the time. Like they do. It's a fact. And sometimes they tell the truth, but most of the time they don't. So they have nothing to gain from saying that it's a competition or this and that. Like, sure, okay, Garoppolo's started right now. Like, that's fine. Like, that's probably true. But they always, when they have to say, like, for now, or the fact that they're saying it anyway. Like, why are you coming out and telling us if Garoppolo's the starter if it's super obvious to clearly you? Because you don't see, you know, Bruce Arians coming out and be like, yep, Tom Brady's a starter. Because it's fact. It's yep. known. They don't want to say it if there wasn't a shadow of doubt that it was actually reality. So, yes, I'm all in on Trey Lance. I think that he makes tons of stuff about or make a ton of sense of a stashing player again. It's tougher in depending on how your league is set up. So, sure. again, if it's like a if you don't have that many bench spots, I understand that if you can't hold on to him because he probably won't start the season playing necessarily. But same time, you got to prepare the waiver wire bids. He's a guy that, you know, if the 49ers are playing on a Monday night game, you can add somebody before the game and the 49ers are playing like 
of course, it's going to be a primetime game where Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt or like gets benched. Trey Lance blows up and he'll be the hottest waiver wire pickup. So, again, you just want to be on Trey Lance. You want to be proactive about picking him up. You don't necessarily need to draft him if you don't have the space in your roster. But at the same time, I mean, he's going to run so much and there's going to be no film on him whatsoever. So when he first plays, like people may be hesitant, like, oh, look, I want to see him play. It's like, no, like, don't like just play him, him like straight up. Like, you don't need to wait. He's going to be because that's what happened with Hurts last year. Like you don't know how to stop these running quarterbacks when they first get in the league. Once you get tape, then the defense can adjust a little bit. But that first game, like whoever the first victim is, like maybe the Lions or some team like that, like it's going to be wheels up. No, I, I could not agree more. And I think that's the other thing I would say is I think I'd recommend for people that are listening is if you're in a if you're in a team with only five bench spots, I don't think I'd take one on Lance. You can't hold him for the whole season. Six is a little bit iffy. But I think seven or more, dedicating one one spot to Lance if you think you can make the playoffs and keeping him for the season till he starts, I would highly recommend because I think he's a surefire top 12 QB when he starts purely because of the offense that he's in and the Kyle Shanahan. I know everybody loves Kyle Shanahan and the offensive genius that he is and the rushing upside alone. I mean, Trey Lance, again, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but he is going to be awesome, especially for the fantasy playoffs this year. But your your guy, your number three guy was Trey Lance, and I'm good. I think that's a great guy. I mean, you can't both not have him on our list. And again, when he plays, he's going to break out whenever that is. Doesn't mean breakout does not mean that he's going to be the starter week one and he's going to be your guy the whole season. No, breakout means that when he's going to play, he is going to produce above expectation. And I think it's exactly what Trey Lance is going to do this year. So I will talk about my number three guy. That's Tua Ta- Tua Tango Vailoa. The biggest thing that I want to say about Tua, besides the fact that he's another year removed from his hip surgery and he's going to his second year of the league and he had that veteran presence with Ryan Fitzpatrick is the, the thing I love about the most about him is his weapon. So last year, this is a true, this is actually a true story or a true fact, but Tua Tungovailoa's second most targeted player, or sorry, third most targeted player was Isaiah Ford. His fourth most targeted player, Lynn Bowden. Besides Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki, his second and third, sorry, his third and fourth most targeted player on this team was Isaiah Ford, who I'm sure half of you have never even heard of, and Lynn Bowden, who's a third round rookie last year. And then this year, he has Devontae Parker and Gusecki still, and then you add in someone like Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, while it was the sixth pick in the draft, they obviously have a huge role set up for him. Will Fuller, I think, is phenomenal when healthy. And I think he's super underrated, of course, the when healthy argument. But again, when you give him a whole new top two weapon, second year in the league, and again, I just I'm very in on Tua, and I think that he could be a lot of he has a lot of good potential, and they've gotten good reports out of camp so far. I mean, I know his guys are getting a little bit hurt, and that's obviously a little concerning. But I mean, he's been throwing bombs in practice and completing some touchdowns. So I really like Tua. Are you are you feeling the same way about Tua? Are you are you a little bit more off him? No, I like Tua. I'm just concerned that his his weapons are starting to diminish pretty early on right now. I know we've yeah. got some reports about Waddle potentially walking around with a limp. Uh, Will Fuller obviously has a track record of not being able to stay healthy. I know that Devontae Parker's not even there. Like he's on the pup list. So again, that that matters. Like mm-hmm. you just mentioned it before, and, and that's that's the thing. That's the thing with all these quarterbacks we're going to talk about. It's like changes are they're not all going to break out, but cha- like there's going to be reasons why. They don't do that. So you need to keep up with, okay, if he's playing week one against the Patriots without Jalen Waddle, without Will, like he's not going to have Will Fuller. So again, keep that in mind and keep that in mind again for Will Fuller not playing week one. So potentially Tua could struggle week one against Patriots. It's not out of the range of outcomes. So if you miss out on him in the draft, 
okay, pick him up the next week after in a good matchup, you know, Will Fuller's going to come back. So just don't necessarily overextend yourself to get Tua in a regular redraft league because, you know, it's a tough matchup. He's going to be down one of his weapons. So keep that in mind with Tua. Yep, 100% agree. Well, before we move on to our number four players, we are going to take a quick break. Well, we are back, and we are talking about another rookie QB, someone that is very intriguing, very fast, very good player, and obviously there's some concern that he might not start until later in the season. But, Andrew, please tell us, why should we be drafting Justin Fields, or at least stashing Justin Fields at the moment? Justin Fields is basically everything you'd want in a fantasy football quarterback. Same thing you could say about Trey Lance. Justin Fields brings a rushing upside, 55 rushing yards per game at the college level. He is super accurate. He's like the most accurate quarterback we have in the PFF era, college football era. Most completion percentage highest above expectation is Justin Fields. So for me, you want this guy all day, every day in fantasy football because when the minute he starts, because Andy Dalton, week one, Thank God that they're going to sacrifice him to the Rams. Justin Fields is not going to get touched. His his QBR, his passer rating are just not going to be ruined by the Rams. Let Andy Dalton take the hit. So for me, I think Fields makes a lot of sense. He's got decent enough weapons with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney to be able to get stuff done. He obviously runs a lot. And at the same time, you know, his biggest knock has been, oh, he doesn't read his progression. He doesn't read his progressions. And maybe that's true. Again, I don't necessarily think it's true. I think that he should have been a top pick in this draft. I don't know why he fell. Uh, it blows my mind. But at the same time, if he doesn't race through his progressions, what does that mean? Okay, he does his first read. Allen Robinson's covered. Okay, sick. He's going to run. Awesome. Exactly. More fantasy points for us. Yep. That's what I like about Justin Fields. So, the minute – again, he doesn't necessarily have, I think, maybe the same type of hype around him as Trey Lance because he wasn't a top three pick. But make no mistake, like – He's has the same type of potential as Lance does. Again, maybe Lance has a little bit more of the rushing, but in terms of accuracy as a passer, like it's no debate. Like Fields is way more accurate of a passer, and he can probably also increase the outputs of players like an Allen Robinson, like a Darnell Mooney. So you're gonna want pieces of the Bears' offense when Fields takes over under center. Yeah, I guess let me let me ask you the question. You said when Fields takes over under center. I mean, based on you watching Andy Dalton and I mean, what we've heard in training camp so far, how quickly do you think that this could be a there could be a changing of the guard at quarterback? I mean, it's all about if the Bears are winning or losing games. Like if they start yeah. losing games, like Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are on the their seat is on fire right sure. now. Like they cannot point. afford to lose games and not use their rookie quarterback to potentially help them win games. So that that's the biggest issue because if if they are losing games, then they're going to get fired and. Andy Dalton, they're going to find out pretty quickly. And look, if Andy Dalton plays well, then okay, like then Justin Fields is going to stay on the bench. Like that makes sense. Like yep. I would do that too, probably. I wouldn't take out Dalton, but I just don't think that they're going to win games with Dalton, and I don't think that's a hot take. So I think we're going to see him get thrown in there sooner rather than later. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he probably plays before Trey Lance. Like I think that Garoppolo is probably still in a better position to be successful. Position, I think that he's yeah. in a better overall offensive system that's just better than the bears i mean the Bears system is not necessarily as great and that's why trey lance you obviously still want to favor him over fields because of the offensive weapons are better he's a better offensive line better offensive play caller i think everything's better situation wise for lance but if i had to make a bet on which quarterback starts first i would probably lean towards fields unless of course jimmy garoppolo gets traded because carson wentz maybe has a broken foot we don't know but i think that that's potentially in the cards as well jimmy garoppolo could end up as a colt if Carson Wentz's foot injury is as serious as some people have said, some people have said it's not serious, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. But I think one of the things, and I think that the biggest thing that you point out, and I, I guess I would say this to fantasy managers listening, is 
What year do you think was the last time that Matt Nagy wasn't the coach? I mean, it's not, again, I'm not saying it was like that long and he's been the coach for like 10 years, like Mike Tomlin or something like that, but he's been there long enough that you probably can't even remember the last time that he wasn't the head coach. It's been three or four years now. And again, like you said, their seat, I mean, him and Ryan Pace, the general manager of that team, their seat is very hot. So I think the first second of losing or the sign that Andy Dalton isn't good, I think the fans and the team might be kind of clamoring for Justin Fields to take over. And I think the fantasy upside is good because again, regardless of what Justin Fields is as a passer, I don't think most people realize that he ran a 4-4, I mean, 40-yard dash this year. And he's someone that is really fast and could definitely have some rushing upside next year. So Justin Fields is definitely someone I'm interested in. Um, I'm also interested in Joe Burrow, who is my number four breakout QB. I mean, the biggest thing the last year is the fact that, like, he was on pace to lead the NFL in rushing attempts before we got – I mean, sorry, not rushing attempts, passing attempts um, before we got hurt. And the other thing for people that are like, okay, well – you know, this year's knee hurts, so they're going to run the ball a little bit more. This team was still the fastest team in the entire NFL in pace last year. They were on pace for over 70 offensive plays a game, and I don't expect that to go down at all. And I think, that, again, the passing volume and the pace are going to be two things that automatically give him good numbers. And then, again, you add in someone like Jamar Chase, who's not only a generational talent and arguably the best wide receiver coming in since Julio Jones, he also already has that connection with Joe Burrow. And you saw what they did at LSU, and I'm not saying this is a narrative that I believe in, but just another point to make, another data point to use, the fact that Jamar Chase's last year in college, he outproduced Justin Jefferson. I mean, he made Justin Jefferson look like a little boy. That's not really true because Justin Jefferson was still awesome in that season. But again, Jamar Chase still outproduced him. I think for that's what it's worth. That's obviously good. And then T. Higgins is going into his second year. That's obviously going to help improve the offense. I mean, Joe Mixon, they have a lot of really good weapons. Tyler Boyd is that someone who I still think is underrated. And then Joe Burrow going into his second year, and they've said that his velocity looks really good, and he said he worked on his deep ball, and we'll see how that remains to be seen. But again, they've said he looks good in camp, and hopefully it seems like he's going to start in week one and doesn't seem like he'll have many limitations. But again, like I said, I think Joe Burrow could absolutely break out just because of the pure volume and the weapons in his offense and the fact that this defense is not getting any better. Are you are you in or out on Joe Burrow? Oh, I'm so in on Joe Burrow. Good. I think I have him as a he's top 10 quarterback for me. I have him. I mean, I, I have him ahead of like Tom Brady. I rather have Joe Burrow. I agree. I don't like. Come on, like Joe Burrow was again. You mentioned it on pace to basically throw more than any other quarterback last year. Expected fantasy points we use at PFF to kind of capture all of the opportunities a quarterback where he's throwing the ball and basically how many points he should be scoring based on him playing with average pass catchers, which he wasn't last year because friggin' AJ Green was sucking friggin' house all day now he replaced that with jamar chase oh my god so it was joe burrow's fantasy points expected per game was third in the league behind only josh allen and dak prescott so i think that that really sells that's it i mean that's what it tells you like he has top five upside maybe the rushing is not as there as, as we would hope because he's coming off the injury that's the only one thing that's maybe that doesn't work in his favor but besides that volume's gonna be there he's gonna throw a ton he's got great weapons and yeah i guess i mean if you don't like the offensive line it's not great that's for sure but you know all the receivers are gonna be open so he'll have time to get rid of the ball drop back and throw because he'll guys will be open and not aj green yep i again i could not agree more and i think one of the points i wanted to go back to real quick is there's some people that are probably like i'm sorry i hate to say it but they're like andrew that guy's an idiot he would take joe burrow over tom brady this year like what a what a silly goose like the thing I would say to that, again, I was listening to a podcast this morning and they're like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers threw 48 touchdowns to six interceptions last year and rushed for less than 150 yards. And he wasn't even a top two quarterback throwing 48 touchdowns. 
I mean, it, it's just ridiculous what you need from someone like Tom Brady that has zero rushing upside. I mean, Andrew, I mean, Aaron Rodgers ran for 149 yards, which is probably 148 more than Tom Brady will run for this year. And that's a lot of fantasy points. Again, I just don't think that they have that upside. That's why I'd rather draft someone like Joe Burrow as well. Um, I also have Joe Burrow ranked over Tom Brady. So again, I, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, I think you made a lot, really good point about that. And again, when you go into the rushing, we get into your number five, your final breakout candidate of the day that has a little bit of rushing upside. So who is it? Taysom, the Thrill Hill, is my <laughs> breakout quarterback number five. And before the Michael Thomas injury, I didn't even think Michael Taysom Hill had a legitimate shot to start in this offense. But with Michael Thomas on the shelf for the foreseeable future, we don't know what quarterback this team is going to go with. And if it's, they put Jameis Winston out there, I don't think he's going to succeed whatsoever. He doesn't have Michael Thomas. That's like the biggest issue for me is. So I, I swapped him in my rankings. I had Winston higher, but now I think that Taysom Hill – He's the one I want to draft right now. Like, with the knowledge that I know, because if Jamie Swiss is the starter, I don't want him at all. Like, I don't want to draft him at all. But if Taysom Hill is the starter, then I do want to draft him because he's going to go super, super late because people are not going to be able to price adjust to the fact that he's going so late right now because we don't know who the starter is. But, I mean, he legitimately has – he's a quarterback one. Like, if he's named the starter, like, we have to look at him as a QB one because of the rushing element that he offers – like we've talked about with the majority of these quarterbacks, because again, people, that is how you get an edge in fantasy football is at the rushing position with the quarterback. So he was a top option during the stretch of games that he was playing last season because of his rushing upside. So for me, it's Taysom Hill because they're going to run the ball without Michael Thomas in the lineup last season, the neutral or in a, in neutral game script. So basically when the score is not out of control, they ran the ball on nearly 50% of their plays with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So, again, they're not going to try to slice and dice teams with Taysom Hill's elite arm talent because, you know, that's not really his thing. Again, he was accurate last year. He had the highest adjusted completion percentage among all quarterbacks last season. So, Sean Payton was dialing up. He was getting guys open, and Taysom Hill was delivering. Like, he was hitting the open guy. So, you have to give him respect for that. But, Again, 22.6 fantasy points per game with six best at the position during his time as a starter. He had 209 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. If he's a if he's named a starter, he's top 12, like no doubt in my mind. That's interesting. That's interesting. I'm gonna get I'm gonna have to give you a little more pushback with um with this one than the other ones. I mean, I think like there was a I mean again, we talked about coach speak earlier in the in the podcast, and I think it's tough because you can look at it for what it is, but we heard things that we don't ever hear um, with Jameis Winston in the same sentence. Uh, yesterday that he looked sharp in almost every instance that he was throwing. He was stepping up the pocket. He was making quick decisions. I mean, man, I've never heard that about Jameis, um, which is also pretty interesting. But I think again, like and then to the adjusted completion percentage mark, I mean, Taysom Hill is still thrown less than 150 passes in his NFL career. So again, I think it's a small sample size, but it is a reason for optimism. But again, I could I could tell you, you could say Andrew, well, you know, Taysom Hill, blah blah blah. Like again, he's going in the QB 20s right now, almost the 30s. So again, and he could be a top 12 guy where if you have a last spot on your bench where you're not super confident right now, you could stop stash Taysom Taysom Hill and just be like, okay, well. Is he going to play? And if he does play, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. I'm not super confident that he's going to be the starter, but I think he is worth a stash right now. Um, but again, like you said, I think with Michael Thomas out, I was expecting them to maybe shift a little bit more towards Taysom Hill, especially with the way they could build their offense as a run-centric kind of almost college offense, so to speak, with them. I and mean, they have a top five line. You still have Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, Taysom Hill, and maybe try to run a run-first offense, especially when you have Adam Troutman, who was the PFF's number one graded run blocker last year as a tight end. Um, I think there's a lot of optimism there. 
Um, so again, I think there's, it's interesting. And I think we're the price for Taysom Hill. I can't argue with anyone. Um, I feel like Winston it, could end up being the starter, but again, if Taysom Hill's the guy, I a hundred percent agree with you. He is going to be a top 12 option. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent with that. But the last one, you might have a little pushback from me on my last one. Cause this one's a little bit more of a stretch. Um, this is definitely not my favorite breakout candidate I have, but I think someone that's really worth looking at when you look a little deeper. That's Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield, the biggest thing that I saw is, again, you might not – I mean, a lot of people don't associate Baker Mayfield and fantasy football to be a really good positive correlation. But I think one of the things to point out is, again, that Baker every year has been in like a new system, basically. He went from his first year playing with Hugh Jackson to the second year of Freddie Kitchens. And then next year, third year, he's playing with Kevin Stefanski. He has three different systems in three different years. This is the first year that he's playing in the same system going into the second year. And he said that himself, that it really helped him last year the more he got into the system. And that showed in at least fantasy football production when from weeks 12 on last year, he was the QB eight in fantasy football. And that included that week 14, 15 or 16. I don't remember which one game against the Jets, where against the Jets, he had no none of his receivers like Kadero Hodge, who most people have probably never heard of, was like their number one receiver that game. Um, again, like I said, like I think he was the QB8 from Weeks 12 on last year. They're going to get Odell Beckham back. And again, I'm not saying Odell Beckham's going to light the world on fire, but I think he's going to be a positive option for them. And again, he was the QB8 from Week 12 on. I cannot emphasize that enough going into the second year. And again, things could happen, and I wouldn't be shocked if Baker Mayfield ended up as a top 12 QB, but he would be lower on my list of breakout options, even though he still makes the list. Yeah, the, the biggest thing working against Baker Mayfield, of course, is he doesn't have the rushing element to his game, which hurts him. And basically what we find with these pocket passers, again, like you talked about, is with Tom Brady, with Aaron Rodgers, like what do they have in common? Oh, they threw like 40 touchdowns. Like yeah. that's what Baker Mayfield has to do. And you might think, oh, well, they don't throw enough to you know have him do that. But touchdown, like efficiency and like passing volume isn't necessarily correlated. Like, again, if you throw more passes, yes, your likelihood of catching more touchdowns. But We've seen plenty of like lower volume offenses like Russell Wilson, like Ryan Tannehill, be really efficient and throw a lot of touchdowns because they're just good quarterbacks. So it would take Baker Mayfield having a above outlier type of touchdown efficiency season, which when you look at the numbers, like he was actually there's room to grow for him in terms of his red zone touchdown rate, which is something that I noticed from PFF's QB annual that we do every single year. His touchdown rate in the red zone was actually a lot lower than his, it was even lower than his rookie year. So there is room for him to grow. And when you look at the running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, both of them scored rushing touchdowns over expectation last year. So this is how I tie it back into, you know, what happened last year that I messed up on that I didn't take consideration? You know, last year, everyone kind of agreed that Aaron Jones was going to regress from his like 19 rushing touchdowns. We all kind of like, we're like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And, and he did. But what we f- forgot to do was take those touchdowns and give them to Aaron Rodgers. So... Theoretically speaking, that type of situation could happen with the Baker Mayfield where Chubb scores a little bit less touchdowns, Kareem Hunt scores a little bit less touchdowns, and they actually go to Baker Mayfield, who's now getting, like you said, getting OBJ back. He's going to have Austin Hooper back in the lineup. I think Austin Hooper's kind of like an interesting late-round tight end, even though he's not this athletic guy. I think he could potentially stumble into double-digit touchdowns to kind of make him interesting, kind of the Robert Tanyan of 2021. So, yeah, I think that Baker Mayfield, like you said, he's not the sexy name. It's not super obvious, but... We see outlier touchdown seasons from a lot of different players, and Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. Like, and it's not out of the range of outcomes that he is one of the quarterbacks, the pocket passers that kind of 
rises above expectation in 2021. For sure. And I think again, you talked about the rushing upside. Maybe maybe Baker Mayfield does have it. He's increased his rushing yards all three years of his career. <laughs> he went from right. 131 in his first year to 141 in his second year <laughs> to 165 in his second Booyah! year. Averaging, slow and steady. <laughs> hey, slow and steady wins the race. He is averaging over 10 rushing yards a game uh, last year, which was a career high. So again, I think that I mean, he's not obviously not Jalen Hurts, but I mean, again, 20 years from now, if he keeps reaching it, he might hit a 300-yard rushing season by his, I mean, 16th or 17th season. So I think it's something, something interesting to note. Um, but again, like I said, with Baker Mayfield, he would be lower on my list of these breakout guys. Again, I'd prefer the other breakout guys. But again, there's a lot of it sometimes just a case to be made and a reason that you need to believe. And I think there's some real reasons that we could believe. And I mean, to the people that are like, oh, well, the, the weather's bad in Cleveland and that does it. Okay, like. Like, sorry, again, you can't, I mean, they don't, you're not going to fade Tom Brady because he plays in the snow and stuff like that. But like I said, I think Baker Mayfield, there are some reasons to believe, but I would prefer some other guys in this list. Um, but that is that. And Andrew, that is everything for today. Uh, your flag, I guess, let me, let me ask you this last question because everyone knows that I love to ask the flag plant question. Is your flag plant still Joe Mixon? I guess that's my last question for you. Oh yeah, of course it's Joe. I'm not, I'm not getting off of the Joe Mixon bandwagon. It's funny. They released the, I think I mentioned it already, but they released the DraftKings prices today. And Cincinnati Bengals are like the most underrated underpriced team across the board. Like all the players are super cheap. Like T Higgins is like 4.7 K Joe Mixon is less than 6.5 K. So you're going to want to, they're playing the Vikings week one. So again, the Vikings defense should be better. I know Mm -hmm. I talked about the last time I was on this podcast, but it could take them a little while to gel. Yep. So I'll be stacking Bengals week one, and hopefully Joe Mixon will come through for me, along with <laughs> T. Higgins, Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, like we talked about here. So, yeah, no, Joe Mixon's going to get the touches. Like, that's the thing. Talk about coach speak, and when it matches, not necessarily confirming your priors, like that's not the point of coach speak. It's like, oh, well, the coach agrees like what I think, so I'm going to like double down on it. But it makes sense. Like yep. they got rid of Giovanni Bernard. They really haven't added any other running backs. He was a three-down workhorse last year, so of course he's going to be a three-down workhorse this year. And they're also saying that they're they're going to do it, and they have no incentive to like dissuade us in any way. So I think that mixing the volume is locked and loaded, and I think that in the second round, like he's just such a good pick in the second round. I just love getting Joe Mixon in the second round. I don't even really care where it is, top or bottom of the second. I think that him and Najee Harris specifically are the two guys that I feel so confident in the second round about. Yep. And the last thing I will say regarding Joe Mixon that I, I cannot stand, and there aren't that many people that say this, but the people that are like, oh, well, he's going to be splitting work with Samaj P. Ryan. So over Samaj P. Ryan's last three seasons, he has had 81 total carries over three seasons. That's not even one season. <laughs> Samaj P. Ryan was Joe Mixon's backup at freaking Oklahoma. Or it wasn't Oklahoma. Was it Oklahoma? It was, it was Joe Oklahoma. Mixon played? Yep. Yeah. Samaj Perryman was Joe Mixon's backup, so get out of here. Yep, and their only other their only other guy is seventh round rookie um, Chris Evans. So again, again, if those guys are going to overtake Joe Mixon, then Drew, Joe Mixon is just not meant to be. But again, yeah, I'm all in it's on Joe like Mixon. if he if he loses half those guys, then you were kind yeah. of done from the start. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm willing to you know keep the candle out one more year and see what he does. But that is interesting. But Andrew, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you want to plug or tell the listeners about? Uh, no, just check me out on pff.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Eric's underscore. I got a bunch of hot training camp highlights from Patriots camp. Yes, so tons of fun stuff and, uh, everything's about fantasy. We're hitting August really soon. And I know that more casual players are going to be looking for information. And 
I got it for you. We have it all from PFF. I got my team preview series, all 32 teams. Basically goes through breakouts, busts, sleepers, values, undervalues, buyer beware, every type of player basically that's going to be fantasy relevant in 2021 by team. So you can look at your favorite team and it's organized by the classification. So again, it's a great spot to get started on your research. I agree. I actually have a subscription um, for the PFF Edge and I've read all your articles in the team breakdowns. Um, Ian Harditz is also doing a great uh, fantasy file series where he's talking about a hundred different players in a hundred different days. I mean, again, you got a lot of great stuff going over at PFF, but please follow him at Andrew Erickson underscore by the next time we get him on the podcast, he's got to be at 10,000. Um, you've definitely you've got a couple hundred more followers since the last time we had you which was a couple weeks ago. So, Hey, road to 10 K. Um, and I hope you get there soon, but to anyone, thank you so much for listening to the fresh fantasy podcast today. It has been awesome to have you guys. I mean, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.